what's good what's good good morning everybody good morning everybody uh how you guys doing another episode of coffee and sports in the morning here with your host the boy coach dante uh got on side of me to my right we got the man we got the myth uh that the man that sit up here last week and witnessed me and him in the disrespect that freddie put on Patrick Mahomes last weekend was ridiculous. I'm still thinking about that. My guy, wire to wire, Gene and Mo. The man, Mo, my uh, guy, my guy, uh, the co-host of the morning show, my partner in crime on the morning show, Mo Better. How are you guys doing this morning, y'all? I'm phenomenal, brother. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great, Coach Gene. Well, yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome, man. So, uh, and we got uh, the guy, man. The uh, the man that did say, and I've been waiting on this now. I did, I've been waiting on this, and I've been wanting to get this guy up here. This guy, Jonathan, had a great time the other day. The man that said LSU was going to beat Bama by going to put 60 points on Bama, man. Godly. 60 points to man, Jonathan. Good morning, Jonathan. How you doing, Jay? How you doing, uh, Jay? Morning, fellas. Morning, fellas. Yeah. How you guys doing? What's poppin'? <laughs> yeah, man. So got a hell of a morning show coming up for you guys, man. Train NFL training camps to start started yesterday. Uh started yesterday. So um again, shout out to everybody. So we're gonna go ahead and dig right into the topics. We're gonna deal uh deal uh deal with uh what Jim Ursay Ursay basically said about the um the running back situation. Uh it said um we uh we had negotiate negotiated a uh c a cba uh that's uh took that's took years uh, of effort and hard work uh so what you guys think about what jim Arce said all right well i guess i'm starting here i feel like i'm gonna go too deep on this i feel like i'm gonna go too deep on this too early jim Ursay, um jerry jones stephen ross a lot of these owners just need to shut up and make their money. I I think that it's a real huge mistake for him to get out in the media and try to get in front of this. There's there's the commissioner of the league. There's public relation officials. I don't need to hear Jim Ursay talk about the most undervalued position in football, and they're not renegotiating anything for for the running backs. Jonathan Taylor's already responded to it. He wasn't happy about the comments. It uh, feels undervalued. He says he's their best offensive player. I could see Jim Ursay getting so annoyed. He goes to the GM. He goes, get rid of him, trade him, cut him. It's it's laughable at best. I try not to get too deep on these topics, but you guys know my thoughts on this. You, you guys understand. I, I think there's a lot of really, really poor owners in the NFL. I think a lot of the owners of NFL teams are – uh, for a lack of a better terms, they don't value the people that bring in their income. The Indianapolis Colts are valued over a billion dollars as a franchise, and we're talking about whether Jonathan Taylor deserves ten or fourteen million dollars. Like, I, I really just I can't take Jim Irsay getting saying opening his mouth and saying dumb stuff over and over and over again. He got involved in a million different things with the franchise. I think he's part of the reason that they haven't drafted a quarterback and got behind a quarterback up until this past year. Uh, he kept going through retread after retread. He went from 
uh, Philip Rivers to Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. Jim Irsay is a terrible owner of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you, you also realize that he was – it's funny because he was one of the reasons that Josh McDaniels was – that balked on the deal because of what he did in his house and that was inappropriate with his wife. I'm not a fan. Uh, I'm never going to be a fan. Not a Jim Irsay guy, and I think that uh, – I think he's just a – just needs to – somebody needs to put a muzzle on him. Gotcha. Uh, JG? I mean, this just shows, and I kind of said this with you guys before, the NFL owners have no fear. And kind of going with what Gene just said, they have no fear to be able to be public in how they feel about their players, feel about the situation. I mean, in a way, Ursay is right. I'll say this. In a way, Ursay is right. CBA has been agreed upon. Players, your, your representatives have agreed upon the CBA. What do you want us to do? We're not going back and changing on it, but it just shows the power that the owners have for the players and they can make a comment and have no fear. Nick Chubb said it best in the Zoom meeting when they were talking about ideas of what can the running back class, what can the running backs do to at least help themselves? Nick Chubb goes, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing we can do because we've been in a way, and I'll put – I've said this to you guys. I, I put this on Damari Smith. I put this on the union of the NFL. You allowed the owners to have the power that they, they have now. You've allowed this to be the case to where now they can, they can control your value of, of, a, of a football player, no matter what position. Again, quarterbacks are the money makers. They're going to continue to go skyrocket, but running backs who – 15, 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, were very valued. If you had a good running back, your offense was going to be moving really well. Now, again, the game's changed, but you still need that. And we talk about it. You need to have good running backs, but they have decided, eh, we're not paying running backs. We're not going to do that. And if anybody speaks out like what's going on right now, me as the owner is going to say, you're an idiot. Stop it. Shut up and go run the football for me. So I, I put, I, I feel bad being a, a, a pro player union. I'm for the I'm for player union, but in a way, you have to accept blame and you have to blame your representatives. You have to blame Damari Smith to be in this situation that you're in right now. And in a way, Jim Mersey, he's right, and that's the worst part about it. I don't think I don't think he's incorrect, John. I think that he what his comments are are correct on what he said. I don't think he should have said them. And it, you know, when you look at Jim Mersey, right? You want to talk about a model of consistency. This man's been arrested three times over the last nine years. You want to talk about in 2014 when the guy was arrested with $29,000 in cash and four controlled substances in his car. If any player had that situation happen to them, they'd be suspended from the league. Yeah. Jim Irsay also was arrested in 2022 for a DUI just a year ago. Jim Irsay needs to keep himself out of the media. He mostly needs to sit back and collect the damn paycheck. And he's part of that organization of owners that I just, I can't get behind. Like no matter what they say, whether they're right or wrong, I will always be on the side of the players because he's a jer jerk off. You know, you got Dan Snyder, Jerry Jones. There's so many of them that were terrible. And I can't, I can't take his, I mean, his outlandish crap. Get it. And I agree with you. I I, I do. Taking the, you know the personal side of it as far as what he is and who he represents himself as, hundred percent agree. 
but it's just in the comments itself. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it, it it kills me because you, like I said, what did he say that's wrong? And he has, and that's why I said the the owners have so much power in the NFL that there's no there's no fear. Jonathan Taylor can be mad all he wants. What's that going to do to him? Nothing. It's not. I mean, it, it, what's that going to do for him? I'm sorry. Nothing. When his contract's up, they're gonna he's gonna do the same thing that they're doing to Saquon right now, doing the same thing to Josh Jacobs right now, and he's gonna say you don't like it. Go see what's on the open market. You may have one team that'll overpay you, but everybody else is gonna see, see the same thing that I see, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yep, Mo. I would just say that leave it to Jim Irsay to kick a man when he's down. Not not necessary to say anything. We all know the market for running backs. We know the situation. They were talking and they were venting about their situation. And, and, and that's what players do. Voice your opinion. Say what you think is wrong. Say what you think should change. Even though they have no power, he would have been good if he just said nothing. He didn't have to say anything. It's not your Gene and JG are both right. He's right in what he said, but it was not necessary. The, the point's made. The market is what it is. Nothing changes, but that was Jim Ursay being Jim Ursay. If, if if you know the history of him as the owner of the Colts, what he's done as the owner, what he's done off the field as a human being, it's not surprising. Like I said, he's the guy that will kick you when you're down. The, the NFL doesn't have a player problem. They've got a power dynamic that's really off because of the way the owners are. Look at how long it took for Dan Snyder to finally be we, we, us to be rid of Dan Snyder. And if you look at the litany of things that Dan Snyder had done, it shouldn't have took that long. It should not have taken that long. He did some stuff that was literally criminal and, and walked away clean. He skated. He actually made a profit and walked away clean. So I'll, I'll just shorten this and go off of what Gene said. Jim Irsay is a jerk. And he had to be him true, his true self and speak out on an issue that wasn't necessary for him to comment on. And I'll leave it at that. I mean, if we're going to pretend that the running back contracts are fair comparatively to what's going on in the league, I understand why they're not getting paid. I understand. And we, we talked about this before, right? You know, there's too many good running backs. You can replace them. And you look at the Philadelphia Eagles situation. It's perfect. They let Miles Sanders go. He made $6.5 million in Carolina. They have four running backs on their roster making less than that. They have Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. Their combined salary isn't what Miles Sanders is making. I understand why it's happening, but it's criminally underpaid. You look at the Giants' situation, let's take it a step further. Daniel Jones is getting $45 million this year. Saquon Barkley is getting eleven. You watched that team last year play, and you told me this, this one quarterback's worth $45 million and the running back that carried the team's worth eleven. I mean, it's, 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 it's crappy. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, we have a trade yesterday in baseball, but it's not Shoei Otani. It wasn't Shoei Otani going away. Uh, the uh, Angels got two pitchers. They got a relief pitcher, and they got they, they got a starting pitcher, which is Lucas Giolito from the White Sox, which he was expected to be traded. Uh, White Sox expect, expected to uh, be a sale, be, uh, seller's. Uh, be sellers of uh, this trade deadline and Ronaldo Lopez, Ronaldo Lopez uh, for 
They got uh Bush. They got Bush, and I can't uh understand the other one name. They look like two uh prospects right back from the uh Angels and Angel Angels not trading Shoel Tani. Is this the right move? Uh, is this the right move for the uh Angels to try to make a playoff push? So to some degree, uh, do it shows that they trying to make a playoff push and that they trying to do everything they could to keep Shoel Tani down. Gene, I'm gonna start off uh with you. No, the Angels have to be one of the worst organizations I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> generational talents, generational talents. You have Trout and you have Otani on your team, and they stink. They've never won a playoff game. They've won a playoff game with either one of those guys there. Go look at the, the Angels for the last 15 years and the moves that they made. Justin Upton, five years, $106 million. Mo Vaughn, remember that? 1999, $80 million. Yeah. I know that's 25 years ago. I get it. But Albert Pujols, 10 years, $240 million. He lived up to it for two. Anthony Rendon got seven years, 245 in 2019. <laughs> Josh Hamilton, coming off a heroin overdose, got five years, $125 million. That franchise stinks. They're terrible. You have a guy in Shohei Otani that would allow you to rebuild the right way by getting young prospects in that organization. You're going to get the biggest haul you ever got for anyone in a trade. If you trade Otani and then Trout in the offseason, you trade them and you rebuild the right way. Obviously, they have the money to spend. They spent, they want to re-sign Otani. They spent all that money on Trout. They spent that money on Rendon. Why would you not just retool the right? You're going to lose him in the offseason. Where did chance? JG is going to tell you right in a minute. He's a baseball guy. Where are the chances that Shohei Otani resigns with the Angels next year? I don't know. Less than one. I don't think there's any chance he resigns with the Angels next year. So you're going to let one of the most generational talents ever, the best two-way player ever since Babe Ruth, you're going to let him walk out the door for nothing. So, no, it's a stupid move. And you had a deal on the table with the Baltimore Orioles to get four to five major league ready players to walk on the field. And you, you're going to keep Otani for four months and not make the playoffs. That's great. JG? I, I mean, I agree. You got to do what's best for the organization. In this case, that you're, he's not going to resign. I, I, the only way he resigns with the Angels is to make a run in the postseason and they get to the World Series. That's the only way, which not going to happen. Just, just not. But they had to. I'll say this, and I've said this numerous times with people that I've talked to about the Otani situation. They have no choice but to hold on to him unless they are blown away with a Juan Soto plus deal. Juan Soto brought the Nationals five prospects that were three of them were in the top 50 of all Major League Baseball prospects. And they've got and two that were right outside the top 50. So they got a really good deal in the Soto deal last year. The Nationals did. The Angels wanted that plus more. So if they didn't, and, and is that a little bit too much? Speed? Of course, it might be a little too much. But again, at the same time, it is Shohei Otani. That is the market for what you're going to ask for. And that's what they wanted for them. No team was going to give them. No team was going to give them what they wanted because no matter what, he's going into free agency. If you had a guarantee that negotiations of contract with Otani after you trade could be started and be made, 
changes the outcome, I think, a little bit more for some teams to say, if I can make this trade and I start the negotiations to get him going and being in my club for for a long term, I think you have a lot of teams line up and say, let's go. But there is no guarantee of that. And he's and his agent and him have said, we're going to free agency. We're going to go and see what the market says in, uh, in, in the offseason. We're going to go from there. So you're not guaranteed on, on signing him long term. So what's the point for me as a club knowing I'm going to have to, one, overpay for, yes, a generational talent, one of the best baseball players uh, in the game today, with, with the risk of not having him in my clubhouse long term. I, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me versus, look, yeah, I, I can keep my prospects and then sign him in the offseason if, if that's my goal. The Angels had no choice to essentially say no to offers because they have to make a selling point to the fan base which the fan base has already turned on them for many years now because of how they misused Mike Trout, did not make any – made one postseason appearance with Mike Trout in his career. And now you're doing the same thing with Shohei Otani. You had to be buyers right now, and that's what they did. I actually like the Lucas Giolito trade for the Angels. It does show to them, to the at least to the fans, we're trying. Now, to the fans, they're not going to care after Otani leaves. And, yes, I, I agree with you, Gene. It's about a 1% he's re-signing. 1% he stays in, stays in Anaheim. He needs a culture of winning. That's what he wants, a culture of winning. Well, the Angels are the, one of the farthest teams away from a winning culture in Major League Baseball. But at the same time, you can go to your front office, you can go to your fan base and say, we brought Lucas Giolito. We're going to probably make another trade here pretty soon before the deadline. We are all into proving to Otani that we are wanting to win. And guess what? He leaves. We tried. It didn't work. The fan base will believe it for that much, and they're going to turn back on the owner and say, this is your fault. You screwed up. You didn't give him an opportunity to be in, uh, here with a winning team for his career. But they had no choice to say no and just try to be a winner winner this year. And as I, you know, as I said before with them, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Instead of maybe doing what's right and trading and getting something in return, they're going to buy in to approve the fan base and approve the Otani at least – we're gonna try work with us. Uh, so uh, Mo, uh, you can after when you answer the question, I do want to ask you some. Do you still stand on the fan base will have to be mad at you, mad at you by trading Otani at the trade deadline? We, you, uh, go ahead, you can go ahead. Tell me. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you did. You yeah, they'd have, to, they'd have to be mad at me. Uh, look, <laughs> I, I defer baseball matters to JG because he's the baseball guy. He's sharp as a tack. But, look, just from the outside looking in, the idea that we're going to get credit because we tried to make a run and you guys are going to understand that he's leaving anyway, yeah, that doesn't work for me. I, I'd rather get something. And if you're not going to get the best deal, still get something. The idea that, he, that he's going to actually walk and you get nothing, I've got a problem with that. I don't care if the fans are upset. I've got to get some kind of value. If, if we don't make it to the World Series, which they're not going to, and he just walks for nothing, I, I, if I'm the fan base, I'm going to kill you even more. I'm going to be more, that much more angrier. So I'd rather you put together a package and come away with some prospects. Show me that you're trying to do something for the future rather than throw a Hail Mary and think that he's going to look at that and go, you know what, after what they just did and we didn't make the World Series anyway, I'm going to stay. That, I think it's le- I think it's less than one percent that he stays. So I, I'm not a baseball guy again, but I'm just talking about from a common sense standpoint. Something is still better than nothing. 
Listen, uh, when you look at the Angels as a whole, you look at their depth chart, right? When you look at their pitching rotation. Oh, I was about to ask you that question, too. I wanted to ask you that question because all them people, all them guys that you named on that list was they invested in hitting, but not one pitcher showed up on that list. They didn't invest in enough. Oh. Could that be? Could that be a problem in the organization? I was just going to ask y'all that. So you you got Giolito, and then after Giolito and <coughs> excuse me, after Giolito and Otani, you got Patrick Sandoval, Reed Detmers, and Griffin Canning. Like, are, are we out of? You think that team's going to make a run at the playoffs? I'm tired of seeing this is what happens every morning on SportsCenter. I turn it on. I don't get a chance to watch every Angels game. I turn it on, and it goes, Mike Trout hit two home runs, and Shohei Itani's the first player to do this since Babe Ruth, and the Angels lose 8-4. to four. It, It's every week. It's Otani's doing something that's never been done before. Trout's hitting for the cycle, and the Angels lose 9-7. to seven. They stink. <laughs> and and the point and JJ, I, I don't look, man. I know the Angels have to sell their fan base on coming out to the ballpark, but are are, you, are we really concerned of what they're going to do the next three months of the season? Because they're not going to show up next year. So we're talking about what they're going to do in August and September. Yes. I don't care if anybody shows up. The moment you start listening to fans is the moment you become one. Shohei Otani needed to be traded for prospects. I, you could have got three top 50 prospects for him. The Baltimore Orioles were sitting there at the table with four major league ready players to just get, hand them. Two of them top 50 prospects, one of them in the major leagues. They were ready to hand the Arizona Diamondbacks, were ready to mortgage their future for him. Just to rent him for two months. It's 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 laughable to me, guys. I don't, I can't see it. To to the point, I'm not saying that they're listening to the fan base as far as saying, well, hey, we need to keep Art Moreno. You talking about? We talk about bad owners in the NFL. Art Moreno is the same when it comes to Major League Baseball. He's just a bad owner who is lining his pockets out and just just doing what he can to market for himself and for the for the team to to make money versus being the winner. That's why you say you go down the list. You said Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton, Justin Upton. As far as pitching wise and to to answer uh to answer coach's question about it, the last big name pitcher they brought in was CJ Wilson or the Tex from the Texas Rangers who spent one season as a starting pitcher. He was a closer for the Rangers and they paid him 100 million dollars to come and be the number one pitcher for the – which he was not a number one pitcher in Texas, but they paid him. They have a very big problem, the Angels do, as far as how they handle the scouting and how they handle the, uh, the, the, the determination of who they sign in the front office. But that all falls on Moreno because Moreno wants big-name guys who are not productive or not going to be productive or have no, or have no future to being productive. It's just a name. And the biggest thing that he does is he's not trying to convince – that's the farthest thing Art Moreno is trying to do. He doesn't try to convince the fan base. He tries to sell the fan base that, hey, I'm trying. Regardless of what you think about me, whatever you think that how I'm doing for this team, I'm trying. I brought in Anthony Rendon. Yes, you overpaid for him. He should not have been, he should not be making the money he's making right now. I brought in Albert Pools. Overpaid for him. You know, good name. You know, you sold a lot of tickets, but shouldn't have done that for it. Just I've over I got Justin Upton. 
I got uh, I got Josh Hamilton. I got all these great guys that these were ball players for you know previous teams. I sold I sold what we can do and be able to go get these guys. But the problem was is the fan base saw right through it that it was not for the team to be better. It was for you to make money, and that's what Art Moreno is about. So what he's doing is he's bringing Lucas Giolito in and convincing. I'm trying, fan base. I'm trying. You got to believe me. But as you said, Otani's going to walk, and they're going to be like, you had five years to do something for Otani. You had 12 to 13 years to do something with Mike Trout. Oh, but I tried for – I tried, you know, to, I made a move here and there. I did, but it wasn't enough. And that's what he's trying to convince the fan base. He's trying to convince them and sell them on the moves he makes are good enough to be a, a winning team. But everybody sees it's not. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Shout out to everybody in the chat. We got Cottrell in the chat. We got E in the chat. E. Uh, we got Brandon in the chat. Marlon Bradley, man. Jackson Smith, the gym will look pretty good yesterday. Uh, and we got um uh Slay up in the building. So uh Aaron Rodgers uh take takes a um $35 million pay cut. Uh when when he had a near 110 million guaranteed on previous contracts on previous previous contract. Mo, I'm gonna start with you and give me a reaction on Aaron Rodgers taking a pay cut. He's just a really good guy. <laughs> he's he's all about team. Um, I I was a little surprised, but. When they restructure the deal, they're just going to push it down the road. He's going to make his money. So I know what it looks like now, but I think they have a plan for him. I think that Aaron Rodgers, the Aaron Rodgers plan, at least for the Jets, he's not going to be a one-off. I think they plan on him being there two, three years. They're hoping, they're hoping, and this is a big hope, that he can extend his career and play at a high level a la Tom Brady, who's one-on-one. I don't know if anybody can play at a high level at that age, advanced age, like Brady can. Brady probably still could still play at a high level, I believe. But I think that's what the Jets believe Aaron Rodgers will be for them. So the deal doesn't shock me. Uh, but it looks good for a P- for PR, but it doesn't shock me at all. JG? I mean, I'm sure they have some against New York. So you, you, you cut – you cut $35 million off your salary, they'll find you an endorsement in New York to where you can make that money back. So it's not like, it's not like he's going to be hurting uh, you know, on this cut. But I think it's also not a coincidence that as, as the announcement that he took a pay cut, they're flying Dalvin Cook into, uh, into the city today as well to potentially, I guess, maybe make an offer to Dalvin Cook to bring him in and, and add him to the running back course. So there was a plan, and much like, like, uh, like Mo said, there was a plan in place. And I'm sure Rodgers, knowing that, hey, if I do take a cut, helps the team out to bring some more weapons and bring some players in. Maybe that gives us a chance to compete in this division, which is going to be a really good division. Makes us a chance to compete in the AFC, which is which is a very which is probably one of the best it's ever been with the amount of quarterbacks and teams that you're competing against. So it was very smart. It was an ideal situation that probably needed to happen for the for the Jets, particularly to add more pieces and be able to build something that can be special this year and put some more talent around Rodgers that they need to excel in this division and be able to score. Because, again, you have 
great offense in the Buffalo Bills. You have a great offense in the Miami Dolphins just in your division alone. So you're going to need some more weapons around Rodgers to really excel and be able to compete for a division title. Okay, so we all talk about how Green Bay, how Aaron Rodgers is this egotistical guy, and I believe that there's some truth to that. I don't think he's the best guy in the world. But when are we going to give Green Bay a lot of the blame for everything that happened with Aaron Rodgers? The Green Bay Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers in the first round in 2005. 2006, they took A.J. Hawk, defense. Justin Harrell, defense. B.J. Raji, defense. Clay Matthews, defense. Brian Balaga, offensive line. Derek Sherrod, offensive line. Nick Perry, defense. The Tony Jones, defense. Ha-Ha Clinton Dix, defense. Demarius Randall, defense. Kenny Clark, defense. Jair Alexander, defense. Rashawn Gary, defense. Darnell Savage, defense. Here's the first offensive skill position player they took since Aaron Rodgers got drafted. Jordan Love. You guys can say what you want to say about Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not saying he's the best guy. He's a, he's a model of, of uh, excellence, but the New York Jets want to win, and Aaron Rodgers wants to win, and they have skill position players, and they need to pay Aaron Rodgers. They also need to pay an offensive line, right? They need to bring in a guard. They need to bring in maybe Dalvin Cook to be a running back that can block for him while Brees Hall is, is completely getting healthy. I look at their offensive line. You got Dwayne Brown, Lakin Tomlinson, uh, Connor McGovern, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Mekhi Becton. They need a little help there. They need a little help there. And I think that what that signifies is that New York, I want to win. Here's me showing I want to win. Here's a little bit of money back to bring in a guy to protect me a little bit. I def, uh, like I said, I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you on that, Gene. About the Packers thing, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, oh, they, they need start part of the blame, coach. And like yeah, you, I agree with you, I agree with you. Devontae Adams is the only real weapon that they drafted for him. Jordy Nelson was a second round pick too. But if you really go through it, Randall Cobb was a fifth round draft pick. It's like, what did they bring in to help him? Aaron Jones, fifth round draft pick, just a lot. Well, for a while, for a while, you know, there has been conversation about the Packers being blamed. I think this year, I think it, it, this would be the year that if if uh, that you have full full amount of blame thrown the Packers' way if they if they absolutely tank this season with Jordan Love, and they're going to sit there and say you didn't do enough again with another quarterback who you took full advantage. And of using Rodgers and relied on Rodgers to help this team just be a competitor. So now you have a young quarterback. If he struggles out the gate, if he struggles this season, and you don't win, if you don't finish above 500, which that's not the Packers. We know Packers are supposed to be a lot. You know, this is the story, the story franchise. They're they're always contending for uh, for playoff spot. But if you don't, if you have Jordan Love absolutely struggled this year with the weapons that he has, and they 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 don't do it. You're going to see a, a lot of blame thrown at the Packers' way. Brian Budicus, everybody's going to be on, on the hot seat at this point because they they just they overvalued in a way of what Rodgers can do for this franchise. And I think this is going to be very it's going to be exposed here pretty soon this this season if Love does struggle. Well, JG, you said something that's really intelligent, right? You said that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and this historic franchise. You know, for the last 30 years, they've had two generational quarterbacks and they've only won one Super Bowl each. That's terrible. That's awful. You have two top 10 quarterbacks of all time and you've only won one Super Bowl each for each one of them. 
It's laughable. Laughable at best. Packers organizations a lot. You look at it, what the Jets did. The Jets are like, no problem. We'll bring in Nathaniel Hackett. You like him. We'll have him. Oh, you like Aaron, Alan Lazard? No problem. We'll sign him to a contract. It's it's a give and take, right? When you start giving Aaron Rodgers what he wants, everything he wants, okay, no problem. Here's some money back. Get me an offensive lineman. I just feel like that this is the narrative that Rodgers is bad and Green Bay is good. It's just played out. That's not what it is, right? You're right. You're right. And Roger, I think if you peel the onion more, I think you're starting to see, I think you're going to start seeing people kind of go sway to Aaron Rodgers' side and everything that's going on in Green Bay over the last, let's just say, five years of this time. You're going to see a lot more people sway to that because, again, well, it's talk about value. Talk about value for the running backs. Rodgers was valued very well in Green Bay. And he put up with a lot of the nonsense with Gutekas. There was so much back and forth public, talk, you know, talk between Brian Gutekas and uh, and Aaron Rodgers. And you kind of sit there and go, "Wait a minute, you're you're on the team. Why are you talking?" At this point now, you're you're starting to see some more people go. You know what? Rodgers was right. Rodgers was right, and they didn't do it again. You had a chance for the for the Packers. Your your new number one quarterback. You had receivers to look at in the draft this year, and they still pass on them. They still passed on opportunities to give your quarterback a chance in Jordan Love to be successful, and they didn't do it. I think they'll severely miss uh, not taking Dalton Kincaid at 13 and taking Lucas Van Ness. Dalton Kincaid would have been the perfect security blanket for a young quarterback to come in the league. It's a mistake. It'll forever live as a mistake. I don't care how good of a career Lucas Van Ness has. And I think he can be a good player. But you had the perfect security blanket for a young quarterback sitting there at 13, and you just passed on it. The part that makes me scratch my head is the last two head coaches in Green Bay. You had Mike McCarthy. Uh, you had McCarthy uh, and, oh, my God, I'm blanking. Holmgren. Huh? Holmgren. Oh, yeah. Holmgren. And then I'm, I'm, um, I'm blanking on the, on the coach's name now. Uh, is, it, is it this year? Yeah, right now, the, the coach that's been there for the last few years. LaFleur, LaFleur. Yes, thank you, LaFleur. So you've had offensive-minded coaches. Normally, how I view and what I've been as a Saints fan, we had Sean Payton. We we do value offensive positions a lot, and we, we have gone towards the defensive side, but we still value offensive positions. Why are we in Green Bay with offensive-minded coaches, with a quarterback who's going to be in the Hall of Fame? Why are you not helping him more? And again, now you have the same thing right now with, with LaFleur and with Gutekus. You have a first-year quarterback who start like not first-year quarterback, but he's been in the league for a little bit, but it's his first year as a starter. Why are we not doing something to help him be successful? Dalton Kincaid, you had two receivers that were there in the draft at that point that you could have probably gone after as well. Like you had opportunities to better this team and better that the blame is going to be really is going to be magnified. And it's going to be away from Rodgers because uh, more so, especially if he has success in New York with a number one uh, draft with a first round pick in Garrett Wilson, with a, a running back in Brees Hall, with the, the the guys they have in in New York. You're going to see a lot of blame taken away from Rodgers as far as situation in Green Bay, and it's going to be just absolutely thrown at the Packers' way if this continues going down this road for them. I think this season in Green Bay with Jordan Love you're going to find out just how great and how valuable Aaron Rodgers was. You're going to find out how, how many bad things or weaknesses he covered up. So uh, we got the last topic uh, for JG 
JG, people already getting used to the nickname, man. People already getting used to the uh the niche nickname right there. So uh last night we had a little situation in Houston where the bench is cleared, uh where the bench is cleared a little bit. It wasn't any fight, it was some uh rejections. Uh my catcher Maldi was uh got rejected from taking up for his teammate from taking up for you know how Marcus Simeon tried to show up the Astros last night and Marcus Simeon didn't take Rama Valdez uh hit uh too uh too well. He hits a home run off of him, he hits a home run off of him, he looks at him, then Adolis Garcia hits a grand slam, he stepped, he jumps uh, literally over on the plate. Your initial reaction, uh JG, of uh, the bench is, is clearing for in the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros game. Rivalry. Yep. That, that's what it is. It, it's a rivalry, and it's actually being renewed right now because for the longest time, it was the Houston Astros. Just It wasn't a rivalry for the last six, seven, eight years, almost no, a decade. We dominate, we dominate yo. We yeah, dominate. Astros have dominated this series with the Rangers, and now the Rangers, who I'll say this, it was, it was coming, not just because of what happened on the field, but if you go back earlier this year where Rangers players were making comments saying, we don't care what they've done over the last five, six years – this is our division now. They have to they have to earn it from us this year in 2023. Rangers players were saying that. Which if I'm sitting back and go, if I'm a player on the Rangers and I heard that, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> we haven't won this division, you know, in, in in over a decade. What are you doing? But at the same time, I get it. And I and the, but the other side of me is like, yeah, yeah, I love it. That's the confidence in that. And it was coming. This was going to happen, especially if the Rangers, who play like they're supposed to do and, and have to continue being hot because the Astros are on their heels, you have to show Big Brother, which is what the Astros are to the Rangers. You have to show Big Brother, uh-uh, I'm, we're going to fight back. And that's what that last night was. I don't mind what the Rangers did. They had to show the Astros, you're in a dogfight for this division this year, and we are better than you right now. So, over the top, maybe, but if I'm the Rangers, you had to send a message to the Astros saying you're going to have to absolutely fight us to win this division, and I don't mind that at all. Gene? I love it. I, I absolutely love it. The Houston Astros have been the class of that division, and I blame this on Bruce Bochy. Look, Bruce Bochy comes in there finally at Texas Rangers, manager to actually bring an attitude to that team. Well, was Houston wrong? Absolutely not. Houston's in the right in this situation. Texas is definitely showing them up and, and jumping on the plate and, you know, Cadillac trot on the home run. And that's okay. I'm good with that. I, I don't think Houston's wrong for protecting their turf, but I also love that Texas is coming. I, I, I remind, listen, it, it brings me back to 2007. The Philadelphia, the New York Mets were the class of the division. They had Johan Santana. They were the best team in, in the NL East. And it was, and if Jimmy Rollins said, it's our division to win, we're the team to beat this year in 2007. And then with seven games, seven games back with 17 to play, the Mets collapsed and the Phillies won the division and went on a run to win a division in 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11. And it's, I'm not saying that that's going to happen with the Astros, but it takes an attitude shift. It takes a, a culture of winning. It takes a new manager. It takes just an overall culture sh shift for the Texas Rangers. And look, when Big Brother's been beating you up time and time again, it's about time to start throwing some punches back. And I'm glad the Texas Rangers are there, and I'm here for it, right? 
baseball needs rivalries. Baseball misses rivalries. I want that more and more. I want to see Yankees, Red Sox. And I want to see Houston, Texas now. Like, it's it's a beautiful thing to watch that. And it'll be fun to watch down the stretch. I still believe Houston's the better overall team. I don't think Texas has the pitching staff to be able to compete with them. But it's fun to watch Texas fight back. And it's also fun what a good manager brings to an organization. Bruce Bochy's done this for years, right? What yeah. he's brought to San Francisco and San Diego in the early 2000s. And now what he's bringing to Texas. I mean, the guy's just a, a proven winner time and time again. Well, he's a Hall of Fame manager. He should be. He'll, he'll be in the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. 100%. He's got like three or four World Series. I mean, <laughs> one, of the, one of the best. And it, one of the, one of the uh, you know, I know most – one of the best managers, but I mean, even one of the smartest baseball minds. And I, I mean, goodness, I, I, I love, I love the hire that Rangers did bring in Bochy. It, it was, and it's, as we see, it was a huge difference maker for them. I know. So I don't know the depth of the rivalry, but I know that the Astros have owned that division. I just thought it was fun watching the Rangers act like somebody who was playing dominoes and just busting bones. Like they were, they were, they were hot dogging it. Like they were feeling it, stand on it. And to Houston's credit, you got to respond to that. Getting shown up like that? No, they, I, I thought I actually like what both teams did. Gene made a great point. Rivalries make sports. I, I want to see, I want to see skill. I want to see competition, but I don't mind some hatred in there too. It's a good thing. So I, I, love it. I love it. It makes it better. Hatred when teams hate each other, it makes it better. I want to watch more often, right? What, what, what sells fights? UFC, boxing. What sells fights? Hatred. Rivalries. I love it. To which, I, I, and that's one thing I've criticized Major League Baseball lately is that they are trying almost devalue rivalries. Where, you know, the, if you right. think about it, only, the only rivalry we ever hear about in today's game is Yankees-Red Sox. It's always on ESPN. It's the only one that's going to always be on ESPN. We don't really see much. We don't hear much about Cardinals, Cubs, Braves, Mets, you know, Rangers, Astros. Uh, we we they they have almost devalued rivalries in in baseball over the last uh, I'd go ten years because the only one that matters to them is the Yankees, Red Sox. But you have rivalries like this throughout. You have, like I said, Braves and Mets one of the best NL East rivalries in my eyes, being a Braves fan, you have Rangers Astros, you have Cardinals Cubs, you have these, you have these rivalries, but they're not being valued to push outside of fan bases. You know, you, as you said, you need this. Don't little brother us, JG. Don't little brother us. (laughs) Don't do that. Braves Mets. Don't do that. What if the Phillies, the Phillies are a better rivalry to the Braves than the Mets are. We've won a World Series in the last 20 years, and we were the one that set y'all home last year in the playoffs. So understand that. I, I, I hate both group, both teams equally. I hate Fair. both equally. I hate, but but I, the arrogance of New York is what I hate more, and I know Philadelphia is very arrogant too. <laughs> but I, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not little brothering Philadelphia. I hate Philadelphia equally with the Mets. But the, thank the, you. I need that. But. When 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 you have your star player name uh, name is Kid Shay, I mean that kind of tells you where the rivalry of Braves and Mets is on that one. So, uh, but again, but that's what baseball needs. No, baseball needs stuff like that. They need the opportunity to sell and market rivalries to create that excitement. 
like you did last night with the Astros Rangers. Yep. And they have almost, especially now with the, the schedule change where everybody plays everybody, it, it's totally taken out the fire of rivalries in my eyes, except Yankees Red Sox. Facts. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I do hate the Yankees. I'm starting to hate the Yankees a lot. But folks, get up, uh, get up out of here, JD. Tell the people they can follow you. At. Hey, you can check me out on here with you guys every uh, on the mornings on Mondays, uh, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. I love been doing this with you guys. I, I feel very honored to be able to do this with you guys uh, here and, and and be able to get connected with Freddie to to put me on the show with you guys. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the time. You can also check me out on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Alpha Performance uh, Baseball, Alpha Performance Softball. On Twitter at B underscore and underscore alpha. Check out all the great things. We just actually, uh, and to, to give a shout out, I kind of put it on the on the network yesterday. We had our uh, our fifth college commitment in our program yesterday. So very excited, very happy for that. Uh, but check out all the great things we're doing with our program, with all the kids that we're doing with the young ages from 10-year-olds all the way to 18-year-olds. All right. So before you get out of here, got to send you out on a good note. Right, you got a chunk of shot. You got a chunk of shot at Alabama. Whoever you want to chunk of shot. Tell them you build champions over there at LSU, huh? Yeah. Y'all build champions over there. We, we, are the, we are America's brand of college, uh, college sports right now. <laughs> there we, we go. Are, uh, I mean, again, national champions in, in multiple sports, number one draft picks in multiple sports. We no. are, we, And I'm even going further. We have the top two female NIL athletes as well. We are NIL central in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, throughout America. So it's, it's, it's as I said to you guys, and I'm going to do it right now in front of Gene, it's LSU's world, and everybody's just living in it. There you go. Hey, who <laughs> who did who did that two-time World Series champion, Alex Bregman, play for? for Alex Bregman, LSU. Go there time. we go, yeah. Got it. Oh, yeah, JG, stand on it. There we go, yeah, there you go. JG, it's been fun talking to you on the show and going back and forth. I love to have a guy that can debate and go back and forth, yeah. and uh, and they yeah. know it's all in fun. It's all friendly, so I appreciate oh, yeah. that, brother. Love yeah. it, absolutely exactly. love it. Appreciate you, Gene, as well with it. Again, I, I, it's fun. That's supposed. That's what it's supposed to be about. Yo, appreciate you, JG, for coming on, man. Definitely, guys. Yeah, there we go, man. I had to get him. To, I had to get him to do it, Mo. I had to get him. You had to he get was, him. To he was, it. You set him up perfectly. He was waiting for that lob. <laughs> So we got uh man waiting backstage, Tennessee Titans fan. Respect the man, respect them. Don't hate them. You you would think I hate the Tennessee Titans because they're in my division, but I don't I don't do I don't hate I don't hate no team. I don't hate no teams that's in my division or anything. But the man called DeAndre Hopkins. He called on him, must have gave him a phone call. He must have announced and said, Hey man, I'm coming to the Titans. I don't know if he called the front office or not, but they made it happen. They made it happen. So the man, the myth. For the last segment, it's Jay Jones. How you doing, Jay? I'm good, man. I can't complain, man. I got to come on here, Tomahawk Chalk, chalk <laughs> for my man, JG. I know Gene, Phillies fan, man. I know, nah, he, they knocked us out last year. We owe y'all this year. <laughs> we owe y'all. <laughs> oh, y'all, y'all, oh, yeah, yeah. They did not, y'all, they did beat the Yeah, race. they got us out of there quickly, too. <laughs> We didn't see an elimination game, so. Nah, they got us up. But what's going on, fellas? How y'all doing today, man? What's poppin', brother? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. So we get, to, we get to the next topic. It's the top 100. Lamar Jackson is ranked as number 72 on the top 100. He was 36th last year. A reaction. Gene, I'm already coming to you because your reaction. 
I mean, I think it's I think it's a spot on. People are going nuts over this when the guy has quit for the last two years on his team. I don't know how high you want to be ranked. You want to be ranked higher? No problem. Go out and prove it this year. I think that there's a lot more problems I have with those rankings than I have Lamar Jackson at 72. Justin Fields being ranked 86 with Trevor Lawrence 96 drives me nuts. Like, I, I don't understand what Justin Fields did to be ahead of Trevor Lawrence. That's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into that. But Lamar Jackson, everybody being in a stink at him being 72, you were healthy with three weeks left to go in the season. And you didn't come back. You sat out. You quit on your team. Sorry, Ben Simmons. I mean, Lamar Jackson. Uh, it's okay. 72 is about exactly where he should be at. He's a very talented quarterback. He's got all the talent in the world. But the last two years, he's not shown up for his team. So let's not, let's not live in the 2019 world. The pandemic done happened. I feel like there's been a whole century since Lamar Jackson was an elite NFL quarterback. Uh, Jake? Man, I don't really get to – these rankings, man, they, they, they're all over the place, man. I really don't get too wrapped into these things like that, man. Um, I ain't going to lie. I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. Um, he, he has been – hasn't had the season we are known for him to have. Um he doesn't really have any pieces around him. It's just him. Last year, he missed all his running backs. But, um, you know, it's based off last season. And last season, I'm not too sure what his numbers were. I don't have them in front of me. But, um, you know, hey, if you're not 72, prove it. Go out. You just got that nice contract. Got to go out here and prove it. I believe he's a higher-ranked quarterback than 72. But, Based off last season, that's where they ranked him at. And you got to go out there and prove it and show that he's better than whatever they ranked him at. Um, get back in that top 30, top 20 ranking like you know, like we know he can do. But hopefully Baltimore can get him some outside pieces. I mean, they got him Zay, Zay Flowers, which I think is going to help. I think Odell, what's, what's that? Nah, hey, can, we, can, we be for, can we be for real a minute? Hopefully Baltimore can get him some pieces. They drafted him two first-round wide receivers. They drafted him a first-round tight end. I'm sorry that he can't make them good. No, it's Lamar's so, fault. Quarterback wide receivers. Zay, Zay Flowers is probably the best playmaker outside that they've got him. This, and we were and saying that about Hollywood team. Brown, and we were saying that about uh, Rashad. I Bain didn't say that about Hollywood. I, I didn't. Uh, those guys were okay. I'm not going to say that they weren't good, but they weren't. They didn't have star potential in my in my opinion. Um, but he's got he's got talent this year. He's got OBJ. He's got Zay Flowers. He's still got Mark Andrews. So this year he's he's got to prove it. He's got to prove he's better than that. Lamar Jackson has the best apologist of all time. He does. Everybody just won't apologize for him and say he has no talent around him when they built a whole offense around him when he came into the league. The whole offense was built around him. He won an MVP in that offense. And now it's the offense coordinator's fault. It's the talent's fault. No, it's not. He can't throw outside the numbers. He Pittsburgh he won that MVP. That. He won that MVP based off of his scrambling and his legs ability. He didn't Not win that scramble. necessarily. Those he didn't necessarily plays, win that off his arm. He was. He was. He was. He built that offense around him running the ball. It wasn't built off. If you give him a Devontae Adams or somebody of a, a Cooper Cup or somebody on the outside or AJ Brown like Jalen Hurts just got, I guarantee you'll see Lamar Jackson be up there. I guess we'll find out this year, right? They got Zay Flowers, that's Odell Beckham Jr. Don't let Baltimore finish last in that division this year because I feel like that's where they're going to finish. 
I feel like they're going to finish last in that division. Don't let them finish last in that division this year. You watch what happens to Lamar Jackson apologists. They're going to go running. Oh, Odell Beckham Jr. lost the step, and Zay Flowers isn't that good, and they need to bring in Devontae Adams now. They can give him Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup. He had the whole damn receiving court on the Pro Bowl side of the court, and he still will not be able to throw for them to hit 1,400, 1,500 yards like other good quarterbacks do. I disagree with that, but we're gonna see. What has shown you that? What has shown you that he can do it? He's got the arm. He's. I mean, his accuracy hasn't been as good as you know what I'm saying. But he can get. He can. He's got arm strength. He can get the ball out. He can get the Marcus ball. Marcus Russell had arm strength, Jay. No, but I'm saying Lamar. Ja- Lamar Jackson can get the ball out. He can get the ball outside, and he he's proven it. Like MVP year, he proved it. He proved it. Get him. Get him some offensive weapons on the out. They got him a few offensive weapons this year, and he's he. We gonna see what he gonna do. If he can't do it this year, if he doesn't do it this year, then hey, he he's gonna have to deal with that. I'm Lamar not a Ravens fan. So I don't Bryant care. Quit football. He said, "You said who?" Lamar Jackson made Des Bryant quit football. He said, "Oh damn, this is the only quarterback I have to throw me the ball. I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm done with this." Man. I believe in Lamar, man. I think Lamar can do it. I think he. I think he'll have a bounce back year this year. He better. If he don't finish as a top five quarterback this year, I don't want to hear any Ravens fans, any Lamar apologists. I don't want to hear any of them because I'm tired of it. All right, go ahead, Mo. So this is kind of a running joke with Gene. Um, He can't make all the throws. (laughs) Like, like he can't make all the throws. He is a terrific football player, a terrific playmaker, but he's a better football player than he is a quarterback. I I don't think bringing in a big name receiver like De- if you're Devontae Adams and you care about Pro Bowls and your numbers and productivity, you don't want to play with Lamar Lamar Jackson. He's not the kind of quarterback that can throw you over, throw you open. He can't make deep cut routes. He doesn't throw to the outside that well. He's better at improv. If a play breaks down and he's moving, he's very good at improv. Untimed plays, he's excellent. But if you ask him to step back in the pocket, diagnose a defense, and make a throw, that's not going to happen. That's not who he is. And that, That's not me saying I don't enjoy watching him. I don't respect what he does well. I'm telling you he's a better football player than he is a quarterback. I agree 100% with you. All right. 33% is yeah. one of the worst in the NFL and deep ball passing 33%. His completion percentage drops six whole points when throwing outside the numbers versus inside the numbers. He is throws the ball to Mark Andrews over the middle and he looks good. He's got a He's got an arm. Mike Vick had an arm. Jamarcus Russell had an arm. I don't care if you have an arm talent. Arm talent is great. You have to be able to be able to use it. And I don't think he can use it outside the number and Pittsburgh. Man, I remember watching the game two years ago when Pittsburgh picked him off three times in the first half because they played a cover two shell defense in which they were making him make that pass over the corners and before the safeties on the outside. They literally just played cover two shell and they made him make the throw over the corner under the safety and he intercept he got intercepted three times that game. I watched when it happened, and teams adjusted to it. The Miami Dolphins played a nickel double A versus him on that Thursday night football game where they they literally played man coverage and blitzed him. All six guys on the line, two linebackers, four linemen, just came after him, and he looked like a shell. 
good defenses will make Lamar Jackson look bad. Jay, I think he's ranked where he is because I think people are looking at him and saying the days of him rushing for 11, 1,200 yards, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. And if he's not going to be that dynamic player and he's going to spend more time in the pocket as a conventional quarterback, then he's, he's probably going to take a slide. I root for the brother because I enjoy watching him, but he's going to have to take a step up in his ability to throw the football in the pocket. And thus far, I, I just haven't seen it. Uh, I'm not saying he shouldn't be at 72. I, I just, hey, based off last season, yeah, I'm I'm not mad at him being at 72. So I'm just saying I think he's going to be better because he's going to have some outside playmakers that are going to be able to help him clean up some of those numbers like y'all were mentioning. Like, outside playmakers, they matter to a degree. Like, yeah, he may not be able to make every throw, but, hey, he's got to prove it this year. Jay, I appreciate your your uh, your feedback. By the way, I just I disagree. Oh, I, know I, tripping, my, man. I know I'm in the minority of people that disagree that Lamar Jackson has had weapons and he just hasn't used them properly. But I look at what quarterbacks have done. I look at what Tom. I know he's not Tom Brady. But I look at what Tom Brady's done over his career with no weapons. I look at what Aaron Rodgers did when they lost Devontae Adams. I look at what a lot of quarter Drew Brees did with. Marcus Colston and I look at quarterbacks throughout their career and what they've done with moderate weapons. Last year, we talked about Trevor Lawrence taking a huge step and we all laughed at Christian Kirk's contract. And now we're like, Christian Kirk's a weapon, but, but Hollywood Brown isn't, are we at Are we really like convincing ourselves that Christian Kirk is a better receiver than Hollywood Brown? Is that like what we're doing to ourselves? Are we really convincing ourselves that Zay Jones is a better receiver than Rashad Bateman? Like, is that what we're doing? Because we're looking at Lamar Jackson and pretending that he just doesn't have weapons. When he's got a top three tight end in football, let me ask you a question real quick. Take the quarterbacks, take the offensive line, take the offensive mind out of this situation. Whose receiving core would you rather have, Kansas City's or Baltimore's? Over the last two years, last year, this year. Kansas, Kansas City or Baltimore, Kansas City yeah. had who? Juju. Darius Tony, Juju Smith Schuster, and Miko Harbin. Over Bateman and o- Odell Beckham Jr. now. They have uh Zay Flowers. They got all these guys. Well, yeah, this year I would take it. I would take Zay Flowers and, and OBJ over Kansas City. Like, just, this I'm just, year, I'm just yeah. hoping Lamar shows that he can do something with it. Me too. I'm with you. Rashad Bateman can be good, but he can't stay on the field. He can't stay on the he can he can't stay on the field. He has injury problems. He has a lot of injury injury problems. I think that's the wild card for the Ravens receiving core. Receiving core is uh he can't stay on the field. That's uh that's the epitome of Rashad Bateman. But at the end of the day, we all we all we all gonna see. We all gonna see. Can Lamar Jackson? You know, um, can Lamar Jackson do it? Do it? I mean. Again, uh, we can't. I ain't gonna say he can improve. I think there's always room for improvement. Uh, weapons do uh, matter. Weapons uh, kind of do do matter. I remember uh, when I was talking, and we had that same conversation with Jalen Hurts last year. And when he got AJ Brown, he he had a record breaking season. He had a record breaking season. This if Lamar Jackson, if Lamar Jackson can improve on his accuracy and the receivers can stay healthy. I think he will have a bounce back season. Now, what if it turns into wins or not? We won't know that. But this will remind me of Jalen Hurts' first year when he struggled throwing the football 
and nobody outside of Devontae, no, nobody outside of Devontae Smith. And he, as soon as he get AJ Brown, he's an MVP candidate. He, he flies up to an MVP candidate all of a sudden. So receivers, I'm not gonna say receivers don't matter. They do matter on the outs on the outside. They well, no one said they didn't matter. I just don't think that they have. I just think they've had the weapons, right? And we're comparing Jalen Hurts' situation to Lamar Jackson's. This is Lamar Jackson's, what, sixth year in the league? And yeah. it was Jalen Hurts' second full year as a starter? And then let's take it a step further when we talk about that. Do you know last year was the first year Jalen Hurts had the same coordinator for two straight years? The same coordinator for two straight years. I need, I need you to understand that it's not the same when you add A.J. Brown to a situation in Philadelphia versus what you did with Lamar Jackson by drafting two first round talents and having Mark Andrews. Uh, he got to the so bad to got to the point where people was uh where people wasn't saying AJ uh Jalen Hurts wasn't the starting quarterback last year. I after that last uh season, he almost threw five interceptions against Tampa Bay. So the same thing about his accuracy, about his accuracy that you bring up on Lamar, it, it reminds me uh it just immediately reminded me of Jalen Hurts, how he got AJ Brown, he kind of elevated because he literally Against Tampa Bay, he he threw damn it for almost five picks that that dropped out of Tampa Bay's hand. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying in a point that if you have better weapons on the outside, it's no such thing. I don't, I can't see no such thing that someone can't ele can't ele can elevate. But like I say, Jalen Hurts, uh, I, to me, I still think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a great. Yeah, quarterback. I was I was screaming the same thing about Jalen Hurts because. They were saying Jalen Hurts was on no, the bubble. Was, outside of Devontae Adams, it wasn't no weapons. It wasn't nothing, nothing else that you. It wasn't nothing else outside of the outside of uh, outside of Devontae Smith. It wasn't nothing else. Ain't no way in the world Jalen Hurts was gonna uh, was probably gonna uh, improve without an, another weapon, another weapon outside outside of him. So I'm not gonna fault. I'm not gonna fault. I'm not gonna fault anybody. I'm not gonna fault anybody uh, from uh, you know. Uh, having terrible weapons, I think Jalen Hurts outside of Devontae Adams. Didn't have didn't have enough weapons. I thought AJ Brown was the best was uh best thing to happen to him. And I gave I'm gonna give Jalen Hurts his full credit. He he balled out last year, last year, and you gotta give the credit to the front to the front office. But we're gonna see Ken Lamar Jackson uh do the same with better weapons. But I'm not depending on Rashad Bateman because he don't stay on the field. He he his problem is not on the field. It's not on the field all the time. So other than that, we get to the predictions over and under. NFC West division for the 40 for the 49ers uh in the Seahawks and you know that's the 49ers the Seahawks uh who else is that uh the Cardinals the Cardinals in that division right so all right so over we got the overs and unders for those squads for that squad right there so San Francisco is 10 and a half 10 and a half um uh, Ten and a half over or under, uh, Mo. Ten and a half wins for San Francisco. I'm biased, but I'm gonna. But, but I don't think be, this is even being biased. I'm gonna go over. I know our quarterback position can be in flux, and we we our head coach can be arrogant, but I trust our head coach. I trust the play calling. The offense is gonna be good. It won't be great, but it'll be very good, and the defense will be great. They'll be right back in the mix. I think when it's all said and done, we're the second best team in the conference behind the Eagles. And if they didn't win 11 or more games, I would be shocked. So with that with that talent on both sides of the ball and that coach and that staff, yeah, 11, more than 11. Jay? 
Yeah, I think the 49ers get uh, 10 plus wins. I think they're over by far. Um, their quarterback situation is a little, we don't, it's a little unpredictable. But um, I think Purdy proved enough last year to, you know, to be able to be the starter for them to have faith in him. Um, we don't know what we're going to get from Trey Lance. But um, I think, you know, D'Amico Ryan's um, departing. I think the 49ers defense may take a little step back. Um, especially with Joey Bosa might be holding out to get his contract situation uh, situated, but they'll definitely be over 10 wins um, unless something drastic happens. I believe in Shanahan as well, so I think they get over that. I love D'Amico Ryans, but he was replaced by Steve Wilkes, and I don't think that's that big of a drop-off on the defensive coordinator side. I think that Steve Wilkes is going to be fine for that team. They also added Javon Hargrave to the interior to get to get less pressure – Less double teams for Nick Bosa. I think they go over by, by over by one win. I think that their their schedule this year is tough. I think they go eleven and six. You look at their schedule. I think they lose opening week at Pittsburgh. I'm almost sure of that. Right? That's like one of my like surefire bets to start the season. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat them week one, and then people are going to panic in San Francisco. I don't think they should panic. I think they still win eleven games. I still I, th- I think they still win the division. But uh, they still got to play Cincinnati. They played a tough AFC North. That's a very tough division to play. Uh, I think – and they still got to play at Philadelphia. They got a very tough schedule. I could definitely see six losses on that schedule. But don't panic, 49ers fans. That team's going to be ready to rock and roll come playoff time. Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. And I think they're 11-6, and six and they, they breeze into the two or three seed. Uh, I agree. I got, I got them uh, one over 11. I got them one over 11. I got the one over. So uh, you have uh, over, you have over and under for the Seattle Seahawks, eight and a half wins. Uh, Gene. It's going to surprise some people. I think it goes under. They they addressed a lot of things on the outside. They addressed, they addressed the slot receiver and a, and a great cornerback, but the thing they didn't address is the trenches. And teams that do not build in the trenches will die in the trenches. Their offensive line, the defensive line are weak. You have to be able to protect the quarterback. You have to be able to get after the quarterback. And Seattle can't do either one. They can't stop the run either. I I, I think that Seattle finishes 8-9, and nine, maybe 7-10. and 10. I don't think they're under by much. I think Geno is not terrible. I think he takes a little bit of a step back. I think you started to see that near the end of last year. I don't think Geno is as bad as we've seen in New York, but I don't think he's as good as he was for the first eight weeks as he was in Seattle. I think Geno takes a little bit of a step back. I think they go 8-9 and nine or 7-10. and 10. Okay. <sighs> man, you, you said it was what over? It was eight and a half. I want them to be more. To, I want them to get more than that, but I don't think they will. Um, I, I think they probably similar to what Gene said, like eight, nine, somewhere around that that period of time. Uh, that that record. Um, yeah, they look. You know, they got the offense. You know, it looks good, but like you said, if you don't have no offensive linemen, can't get after the quarterback. It's just it does, it's a recipe for disaster. And just like that 49ers team, like they got the AFC uh, North, so does the Seahawks. And it's gonna be tough for them to to get over eight wins, man. And then you know, they got the 49ers, and then they got their own division. So. Um, it's going to be difficult for them to do it. I want them to get over eight, but I, right now I don't. I don't see them getting over that. No. So I'm just going to hold it eight. I don't think they go under, but I, I think that's what they will win. I I agree with Gene. I watched a lot of Seahawks games, and I thought at the end of the season, he didn't look like a Pro Bowl quarterback. 
he had had a terrific season. He had he started throwing picks. He started being a little a lot less accurate. He's going to be good, but I don't think he'll be a Pro Bowl quarterback the way he was for most of last season. And I also think, like both guys said, you can have all the skill position talent you want. If your O-line is weak, it won't matter. If Geno's running for his life, it won't matter. So I don't think they're a playoff team. I think I think eight wins is, is right about what they'll be. Yeah, I'm the only lone wolf I got over. I got over eight and a half wins. I, I just got them two over, two over ten wins. Dean San Francisco wins the division at 11 and six. Uh, so you got the uh, Los Angeles, you got the Los Angeles Rams, uh, six and a half, Mo. Uh, I'm going under. <laughs> I'm going under. I, I think Matthew, Matthew Stafford is actually a gifted quarterback, but that offensive line is beat up. They, I, they didn't really make major additions to it. He's, it, you're bringing a quarterback back with the type of injuries he's had with that offensive line. You've got one real gifted talent on the outside with Cup. The running game, it's not there. The defense isn't what it was. I, I'm just going on, uh, under. This This team looks like a team that you, you're going to get a chance to see just how good a coach McVay is. I, I think McVay is actually a great play caller, but I don't think he can play call his way to a good season with the lack of talent they have um, on the offensive side of the football. I just don't think they're going to be very good. It's not just the offensive side of football. I'm sorry, my bad, Jay. Oh nah, you shit, man. I'm I'm with you both sides of the ball. I don't got them. Uh, I got them under as well, man. Um, we don't know Matt Stafford's elbow. That's an issue. Um, both sides of the ball have lost key pieces. Um, they really haven't been able to replace those guys. I mean, you got Aaron Donald, but um, it, it's just. I haven't seen anything that gives me any hope that they can get over six wins, man. Um, so I got them going under. You guys are all big football fans, right? I, outside of skill position players, which means wide receivers, tight ends, uh, and running backs. Outside of skill position players and Aaron Donald, can you name me four Rams? Nope. No. I mean, Coach Mike, because Coach is like, like studies and all. Stinson Bennett, Stafford and Cup. No, no, I said outside of skill. Outside, outside, yeah. Outside, oh, you got outside of Van Jefferson too. Outside of skill position players, no wide receivers, no running backs, no quarterbacks, and not Aaron Donald. Can you name me four players on their roster? That's tough. That's tough. I ain't gonna lie. And that tells you exactly how bad the Rams roster is. Like, I'm not kidding with you. I'm gonna read you just for fun. I'm gonna read you their defensive depth chart. Kobe Turner, Bobby Brown III, Byron Young, Ernest Jones, Christian Rosebaum, Michael Hulek, uh, Robert Rochelle, Jordan Fuller, Russ Yeast, and Kobe Durant. That's their starting defense. A lot of pro bowlers on that, that group, huh? Mm-hmm. They're going to stink. They're going to go under. They're going to be terrible. All right, so we all, we, we all, we all can agree on that. So – we got the bigger name down here. Oh my god, look, it is legit. When Gene doing that, it's not so good. Not so good. Uh, we got Arizona who they got worse, sir. Who they actually got worse at four and five. Jeez, go ahead, go ahead, G. <laughs> you know, I just talked about the Rams having an awful roster. I think the Cardinals have the worst roster in football. This is part of the reason why I think that the this is part of the reason why I think that San Francisco Niners will still win 11 games. 
the Arizona Cardinals roster to start the season is Colt McCoy, Greg Dortch, Rondell Moore, Hollywood Brown, Zach Ertz coming off an ACL injury, a couple offensive linemen, and a terrible defense. Uh, I can't and, – and not to mention, not just a terrible defense, they made one of the worst coaching hires. You've hired a coach – that didn't prepare his team for the Super Bowl and got fined for tampering because he was already planning to be an Arizona Cardinals coach Why he was preparing for the Super Bowl. That's who you hired. Bro, it's terrible when you look at the Arizona Cardinals situation. You invested all that money in Kyler Murray. He's selfish. Brian Flores wouldn't even interview with your team. He's like, nah, I'm good. I'll be the defensive coordinator over here in Minnesota. I'll wait another year. It's a joke. Arizona's going to be awful. They're going to be terrible. I want you to look at Arizona's schedule. And outside of the Rams, they need winnable games. And, like, people, like, look at the schedule and they're like, well, they could win at Houston. No, they can't. No, they can't. If Arizona wins at Houston, Houston's going to be one of the worst teams in football. Now, the saving grace for the Arizona Cardinals are they're probably going to have the first pick and they're probably going to have a top ten pick where, where Houston picks, maybe eight, nine, ten. I love that. I love that. I can't wait to get on the field. I can't wait to get on the field. I love that. I want people to keep sleeping on us. I like that. Well, where do you think the Houston Texans are going to finish? You think they make the playoffs? No, I don't think they make the playoffs. I think so I, if they don't make the playoffs, then they'll finish fifty in a nine to fifteen range. No, I, I didn't say two pick. I didn't say three pick. I said nine to ten. No, I, I say I say I, I think we're going to finish seven yeah, to ten. Seven to ten. I say reason I think we're gonna be improved, but I just love what people say. I don't I just love when people say we, we they think we're gonna be like worse, 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 worse. I just like that. I, I think, think you're gonna be a lot better than it was. Y'all are gonna be y'all are gonna be like Yeah. We were, we were actually the best team in our division last year. We were actually the best team in our division. Oh I am not saying anything bad about no no no, no 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 I'm not saying you uh, everybody else the way I keep hearing that's why I turn it on. I love hearing about it. I love yeah, it. Y'all are y'all are team to, to back to the division like record last year. It makes me go back to the yeah. division. We were actually the best team in our division outside out the division wins. The division wins, not you know, outside of the division. Jaguars were better than everybody outside of the division. That's why they actually made the playoffs. They weren't better than us in the division. They were better outside of the division. That was the reason why they actually made it. They were better outside of the division, not better in the division. Uh, but go ahead, Jay. Uh, go ahead, Jay. Are you going? You going and on? with the number one pick, the yeah. Arizona Cardinals get Caleb Williams, man. They they probably um, – I don't know, man. I, I don't know if they're going to get him or probably Marvin Harrison Jr., but they're definitely going to be uh, bad this year. Um, Kyler Murray is coming back. Mr. Call of Duty is coming back off the ACL injury, so he's automatically going to miss half the season. Gene just told you all Colt McCoy is going to be the starting starting the year off. Um, their schedule is, is tough. Um, like we've been mentioning, they, you know, they got their own division, you know, uh, only divisional opponents, as well as the AFC uh, North and a few other teams. But it's just bad, man. I think it's kind of some karma for them letting go Steve Wilkes. Um, Gene mentioned him over in San Francisco, man, letting letting Mm -hmm. Steve Wilkes go. I think that was a horrible job after one year. So this is kind of karma for them. So, hey, I love it, man. They're going to be some – they're going to be – definitely going to be under, man. I'd be surprised if they get three games this year. Jay, I'm just wondering. Steve Wilkes only got one year. You felt you felt like he wasn't given enough time in Arizona, right? Uh, nah, I don't. Okay. Do you think Cliff Kingsbury is given enough time? 
More than enough. Just wondering. I don't know what the difference between the two coaches are. Um, uh, uh, I, I thought I thought Steve Will should have been uh, considered as a as a uh, head coach for the Carolina Panthers. How they he should he definitely should have been there. He should have been there. The head coach of that team. I just don't know what the difference is between those two coaches. Why was one not given enough time <laughs> and one was given too much time? Too much time. Uh, <laughs> I just don't know the difference. <laughs> I have no idea. We'll never know. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Mo. Go ahead, Mo. The, the guy, the gentleman has spoken. They're gonna be horrible, and I, I actually think Kyler Murray's not gonna play at all this year. That's what I said. I said the he's same not, thing. I he's not gonna thing. play at all this year. Why? Why should he get beat up on a team that's not gonna do anything? He's not gonna play. So More they're, Call they're, of Duty time. Yeah, he, he's gonna. He, you know, the only football he's gonna play this year is Madden. He's not playing. Double XP weekends, bro. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, hey. I, I completely said that. About time. I don't know when Kyler Murray is scheduled to come back. I don't know if it's week six or something. But whatever the time, whatever he come back with, if it's later in the season or they 0-10 or 0-7, I will consider Kyle not playing Kyler Murray throughout the whole season. You're already bad. Why throw him out there? Why, why so just if, y'all, if y'all are the Cardinals GM and y'all get the number one pick, just who are you – who you – anybody in particular or any position that you're going after? To, I'm trading to back him? because I have too much money invested in Kyler Murray. I mean, everybody keeps talking about them taking uh, – Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. I disagree with yeah. that. I agree yeah, they just resigned. Kate. Yeah, they just resigned Murray. I I think what they do is they trade back, and I think they yeah, need a lot of. I think they need a lot of help, right? Yep. So I think they use their uh, one pick on Marvin Harrison Jr. to get Kyler Murray a number one receiver, and I think they use another pick on the defensive side of the ball or continue to bolster that offensive line. Gotcha, gotcha. So that was the uh, end of the uh, the uh, NFC. NFC West side of things, the over and unders of the Vegas odds. So we got one more topic to talk about, and it's about two of Justin Fields have all been passed passed on uh, two seasons of quarterback. Uh, which quarterback do you uh, want to see uh, on his second on his second season? And do you think uh, these four quarterbacks? have passed up the opportunity. I'm going to start with Eugene. So are you asking who I'd like to see if everyone said yes, or are you asking who I'd like to see knowing what I know? Knowing what you know at this point. All right, so what they did last year was genius. They took a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, which is the elite quarterback in the league. They took a middle-of-the-road quarterback in Kirk Cousins, and they took a bottom feeder in Marcus Mariota. And they showed you all three and how they went about their seasons. And I loved how they did that. I think it was excellent work by Peyton Manning. I don't know if it was planned that way, but it it came out perfect. If you haven't watched it yet, you should watch it. Um, Jalen Hurts declined it. Tua declined it. Justin Fields declined it. So knowing what I know, I have to try to figure out. I would love to see Joe Burrow. If we're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes, how do you go from Patrick Mahomes to who? You go to, from Patrick Mahomes to Joe Burrow. And then if and I love the, the structure, the way it's set up, I would love to see Derek Carr in New Orleans. I want to see a middle of the road quarterback like Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins like in New Orleans. And then as far as uh, a, prepa- a preparation thing, what put me inside the Tennessee Titans locker room and let me see Ryan Tannehill try to hold off Will Levis and Malik Willis in Tennessee. I feel like it would just be good TV. It would be great breakdown to see how these quarterbacks handle different parts of adversity you got two quarterbacks that will start the whole year for their team just like 
Mahomes and Kirk Cousins did. And you got another guy that's going to try to hold off a position battle in Ryan Tannehill. I think they would be the three I would be most interested in watching. Jay? It's crazy you said Tannehill because um, he reported that he was he turned down an opportunity for season one, I believe, uh, the first season, which I thought was kind of like uh, interesting. Um, but I, as a fan, I do I would like to, I would have liked to see Hurts and the, some of those guys that declined. But um, like Gene said, um, you got to go Joe Burrow, right? Um, Joe Burrow, number one, um, number two. Uh, I think you can go a, a few different ways with this. I think you can go, um, you can go Dak. Um, you can go maybe like Matthew Stafford, or you can go like a maybe a, a Jared Goff or somebody like that. And then um, maybe you can go, maybe you can bring a rookie on there. You know, like a Bryce, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or something like that. Or you know, um, uh, maybe like a, I don't know. Jordan Love or somebody. I don't know. You can bring him on there as well um, to just to see how he prepares for his first year as a starter, um, you know, taking the reins from Aaron Rodgers and things like that. So um, they got a few, few options, but um, I think right now I will go Joey B, um, maybe Dak and maybe, um, and maybe like CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. Go ahead. Mo. So I, I want Joe Burrow. I want Joe Cool. I'd like to see Sunshine, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, and the continued too. development there in Jacksonville as he ascends. And I thought a good middle-of-the-road kind of guy to me. I think I'd like to see Dak Prescott. Just, just for just for the, the polarization of it all, the pressure that he always plays under, I would like to see Dak Prescott. Um, and look, I know Cowboy fans, just, just, just the fact that Cowboy fans would comment, that's like low-hanging fruit, so I'd enjoy that all the way around. <laughs> I feel like we watched Dak Prescott's quarterback club already. The Dallas Cowboys way too much. No, I mean, yeah, that and Jared Goff was on Hard Knocks, but like the Dallas Cowboys get too much exposure to begin with. Yeah. I just don't want to see any more of them. Like, guys, Geno Smith would be a great answer here too. Like, I, wouldn't you want to watch yeah, the adversity and his up and down in Seattle? I just think that when you look at different situations, you can kind of break them down. And, and ECG's got it perfect, right? Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Taylor Heineke. I, I think Taylor Heineke ends up starting in Atlanta this year. I like, like him. I like I think Taylor Heineke starts in I Guys, I said this since draft day. I said this since the college football semifinal when I watched Happy Feet Ritter throw the, ball, throw the game away versus Alabama. He is not it. He is not him. And if, if you're Atlanta and you want to win nine games this year, they have their over-under set in eight and a half. You don't start at Desmond Ritter. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, yeah. I thought Baker Mayfield as well. I thought you could add Baker Mayfield somewhere in there as well. You know what? In. I think Baker would be a good, good one. He would be great TV. I, I would like to see Baker Mayfield. I just I think Baker know. Mayfield needs to stop doing commercials and earn himself a starting job. <laughs> he still do. I ain't seen too many progressive commercials lately. I ain't seen too. I ain't seen too much either from him and uh, Kyle Trask. They got a quarterback battle going on over there. But other than that, uh, Mo, you got your guy, man. Do you got? I, your guy? You know what, Coach? Because Gene was coming on, and my gut feeling is because Gene is one of those guys that's, that knows a little bit about everything. I'm feeling that Gene is Gene is kind of a movie buff, right? Yeah, definitely a movie buff. 
So I thought, let's do something fun. And so what I wanted to do was give me your top five boxing movies of all time. Oh, Rocky one, two, three, four, and five. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You got to give me a second. I'll give, I'll give you mine first. Yeah, there you go. Raging Bull. I love Raging Bull. The original Rocky, Cinderella Man, The Hurricane. Um, and I don't know. A lot of people haven't seen this, maybe. It's a movie called The Fighter. If you know about Mickey Ward and what he went through to, to become, become the champion that he was, that's a great movie. So those are my five. Gotcha. Um, I like uh, I like Creed. Uh, I, I like uh, Creed 2, Creed 1. I like uh, Rocky. I also um, watched the Mike Tyson movie. I also watched his movie, why he got a, a movie out on YouTube that I uh, always watch. It goes through what he was doing, his personal life and stuff like that. And how uh, how he dumped his trainer, how he dumped his trainer and all of that. And how he started being undisciplined in camp and stuff and knocking out the sparring people. And being this so being just ruthless, a ruthless guy in person. It actually show it actually shows that and how he fell apart with custom model uh passed away, passed away and stuff. He didn't really uh trusting nobody. So I only I only uh and I liked that that Monroe movie with Wesley Snipes and stuff like that. I liked that that uh oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, uh, Monroe, yeah, when Monroe beat him beat him up and when Monroe beat him up and stuff. I can only name four. Those are the four boxer moves That's that fine. I, I got I got you. I, I like got mine. I got mine. So I'm gonna give one Rocky. I'm going Rocky Four. Rocky Four is my favorite Rocky movie when he beats the Russian. That the scenes in that movie are incredible. I have to go Creed. I, the Creed. Let me go Creed three. Gotcha. Barely edging out Creed one, gotcha. but I'll go Creed three. Cinderella Man was one of my favorite boxing movies of all time. I love that movie. James J. Braddock and understanding you know the Great Depression and and how poor he was and what he had to do for money and right. he wasn't eating like the boxing gloves when he got the rice right before he ate. Like right before he got the fight, like that's a just incredible story. I did forget about that damn Ali. Ali is my fifth. Ali Ali is my fourth. Ali Ali is my fourth one I got there. I loved watching Will. I think Will Smith is one of the top five greatest actors of all time. Like it, yep, yep. I think he did such an incredible job playing Ali with the voice, the the inflection, and then Raging Bull. How do you not have Raging Bull as one of your top five movies? I mean, there's so many good ones, right? There's so many good ones. I I, I want to put more more than one Rocky movie on there because I'm a huge Rocky fan. You could. Look, look, add on. I, I would say add on. Look, I've, Gene, I've got one that that just came to my head right now. The Hurricane. Uh, mm-hmm. So my head. If I wasn't using uh, Rocky Four, my second favorite Rocky movie is Rocky Two. My second favorite Creed movie is Creed One. I love the entire franchise. Give me all eight of nine of them. I just can. I want to just eliminate Rocky Five because it was so bad. That's the worst one ever. Yeah, but um, there's so many good ones. There's but he so made many. up. He made up for it with Rocky Balboa. That's a great movie. Man, I, I got something for you. Right, this is for you because you brought this up. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and it will beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. 
It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how weird is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits. And don't tell me you're not where you want to be because him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. That was for y'all. Tell me Gene's not a movie buff. Come on, man. Right, you got to give it up for Gene on that one, man. You got to give it up for him, man. You got to give it up for him. Yeah, man. You got to give it up. That was a hell of a speech right now. I like it. That, that, quote, that quote sits in my living room. It sits over my bathroom. I have it multiple places in my house. It's uh, I love that quote to his son because that's the type of relationship I have with my father. He wouldn't allow excuses. He wouldn't allow me to make excuses or blame others for my, my wins or losses. Uh, it's all, it's me versus me every single day when we wake up. There you go. There you go. Jay? Hey, man, um, I got – I mean, y'all named most of them. Um, I like Dali. I like Hurricane. I like Creed. I like Rocky IV. Um, I'm just actually listening and watching some, looking at some of the movies y'all are naming um, as well as in the chat so I can go go watch them. Um, I've never seen Ra uh, Raging Bull or Southpaw, so I think those are two movies that I'm gonna go uh, go try to find and go watch. Uh, there's look, uh, there's a movie called The Champ. That that that's a good boxing movie. I mean, there there are so many great boxing movies. But yeah, I, I would advise you to check them all out, Jay. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm gonna check some of those out. Binge a day away. Can you take that damn damn highlighted comment off the board, please? <laughs> damn, control. I give I give you nothing but cinematic uh, quotes, and that's what you do to me. I give you the touching story of me and my father, and that's what you do to me. Right, right. This is supposed to be my friend right here. It's hurtful uh, right here. Oh, one more movie I throw out there that I thought was really Man. good: Million Dollar Baby. I thought that was a really good movie. If you, if you never seen, <laughs> if you ne never seen Million Dollar Baby, that's a really good movie. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it's been an awesome morning show, fellas, man. Shout out to everybody that had the chat going today. Uh, shout out to everybody, man. Uh, Gene, tell them who they can follow you at. Bro, just about everywhere. I got three more podcasts today. Birds Deep returns tonight, 6 to 6.50. Me, D. Godfrey, and Cool McCain are going to be reintroducing Birds Deep on the Sports Empire Network Pre-game in pigskin makes its triumphant return. And let me tell you, the number one show on Sports Empire Network, pre-game in pigskin for the entire year last year, is coming back tonight. Myself, D. Godfrey, and Kyle Edwards, we have a lot of fun on that show. And then tonight at 10 o'clock, you have the guys' empire as I take on the little kids that don't really understand about 90s basketball. And um, 33 out of 35 possible points the last two weeks. I'm going to try to go for a clean sweep at 35 straight. I don't think they're going to let me get there. I think they're going to find a way to give somebody else points. Gina, you're going to have to do what, what some of the champs did in boxing. Are you going to just have to vacate the belt because nobody can beat you? Is that what it is? I, I actually just think they should really try to work on. I think they should create a tournament of people to come against me at the end of the month and me do once a month. I feel like you're watering down your product by having me come on so often. But, hey, listen. Yeah, I get it. I'm a draw. I understand it. Hey, and, and let's keep it 100, though. Uh, Ryan and Trey, those cats know what they're talking about. 
They, they do. do. I, I I'm just Boston chops. No, no, no doubt. And and look, Bino, like I said, that that performance last time. Hey, I like Bino, man. Shout Bino, out to Bino. Bino. I, hey, Bino. Hey, that my boy Bino. I I room for Bino. I room for Bino hard. I will be. I didn't think he was gonna be Gene, but I room for him to be better than he was. He was better than what he was. So that, that he was a lot. He was a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Bino's on the come up. Yeah, that that guy Bino did hell up. Did a hell up. Uh, real quick. Ahead. Real quick. This man says this, right? I'm going to tell you something right now about Cottrell. I've said time after time after time again, the one man that can come and take a trivia belt from me, the one man that can debate with me and win points is Cottrell. And this is what this man does. Listen, humility is better than everything that you're doing right now, Cottrell. You're taking shots at your boy, and all I've done is big you up. But that's all right, man. If that's the way you feel, if that's the way you feel, man, that's okay. But I'll continue to big up my friend Cottrell. Why he continues to take shots at me? It's hurtful. Mm. Mm. Yeah, uh, and we gotta, and we gotta, uh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta see Rob one more time. Uh, we gotta see Rob with him. And it's, hey, I'm thinking he's starting to be the. We may got the Freddy 2.0 in, in, in the network. Real, we may do got the Freddy 2.0. Right, right. Coach, not coach. You, right. you, you y'all, y'all got the Freddy 2.0. That, that, yeah, that, man, that, hey, that was that was one of the ridiculous statements I ever heard uh, on Friday last week. Last week, and that was one of the most ridiculous statements I ever. ever what was the statement? He, he uh, like uh, I know it's uh, two different sports, but he, uh, I think he, uh, I think it, it was something about. I think it was something about LeBron, uh, LeBron and uh, Ali. He mentioned he LeBron. LeBron. He said LeBron was a greater activist. Greater acting, acting Ali. That what he actually said. And Doug, look, and Doug said, "Wow, you had people in the chat." Went crazy. Mo went crazy. Doug went crazy. Come on, come on, come on man. Look, come on. Le- <laughs> that was LeBron, LeBron's done a lot of good things, but stop it, man. Stop it. That, no way. That is insanity. Stop it. Hey, LeBron man, isn't man. even the LeBron <laughs> isn't even the greatest activist in his own sport. Yeah. The truth. Yeah, said that was ridiculous. I was like, "What?" Well, everybody well, we was on the show last week with the guys' empire, right? I'm not sure how much you guys caught of it, but. We talked about the top five most influential basketball players of all time. And not one of those dudes had Bill Russell on their list. And when I said Bill Russell and what he's done, they said, well, Bill Russell's really looked at as a joke. I said, are y'all, are y'all serious? You're talking about the first African-American coach of all time. Uh, you're talking about a guy that, that, that played in Boston, the most racist city in the country in the 60s and 70s. You want to talk about a guy who won 11 championships? I, I could not believe that that – but they gave Chris Bosh and John Moran on their top five most influential basketball players. <laughs> what? I swear to God, that's not a joke. That's not a joke. But Bill Russell's a joke. He's a laughing stock. I was in that a whole time, and I heard that. I was like, God, that was like going back and forth. Hey, that might need to be clipped right there, yeah? <laughs> oh, I swear to God. this is. I was sitting there, like my five answers – and, like, I, I forgot Steph because it, it comes off the dome, right? Like, you don't get any prep on the questions. So they just basically give you the questions. And I said Bill Russell. I said Magic. I said Michael Jordan. I said Allen Iverson because of the culture, what he brought to the game. Yeah. And I said uh, and I said LeBron James because of what he's done in the last 15, 20 years. But if I had to redo the list, I'd probably remove LeBron and I'd probably put Steph Curry there for what he's done for the three-point shooting. It's just influential, right? It's not about yeah. – it's not about who's the best player, but if I had to remove one, it would either be Magic or LeBron. I can't remove Magic from that list. Yeah, uh, wow. Jay, 
Go ahead and tell the people they can follow you, Jay. Go ahead and tell the people. Hey, man. Um, Jay Jones on all four social media platforms. Um, the Man Cave Sports Podcast. Uh, we drop Saturday, 613 Fade Productions on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Find me here with you guys. Monday, Tuesdays, possible Thursdays. IOW Sports as well, man. Appreciate y'all for having me on again. Yes, sir. Mo? Coach, you know where to find me here at the home. Empire Sports Network with you. Coffee Sports in the morning, Monday through Friday. I am blessed and honored to get to be on the cheap seats with Gene and the guys. It is yep. a blast. Those brothers, Cal and them, they bring it every week. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. I'm blessed and honored to be a part of the network as a whole. And you know, even though we 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 some a lot, a lot all of us it, it happens. We we all may say some blasphemous stuff, but I, I pretty much I pretty much enjoy all the blasphemy that we do because it is entertaining and it, it is entertaining a lot. But when I hear uh, LeBron James and Ali in the same category, then you know that 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 was that went that went crazy. And Aaron, you got Aaron Rodgers. Is supposed to be the best quarterback in the league at 39. You know, that that that's but we we all I love them. I love my guys, love my guys to death. So so then, we should ahead. have an award show, coach. <laughs> like, like, and we give away the most blasphemous comment. Like yeah. you got watered down Aaron Rodgers, yeah, Mahomes. yeah. You got LeBron James, a bigger activist than Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Tom Morant is the top five most influential That's player. Crazy right there. Those three right there. Those three right there. They're hey, fine. You gonna you gonna have more people saying wild shit, trying just trying to get that award. You gonna hear so much more like blasphemy. You don't want that award. Who wants that award? Yeah, <laughs> They're not trying to get that award, but they're earning it. They're earning who, it. Who had the dumbest Man. comment of the whole year? I want to win that award. I don't want to win Man. that award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, is still getting kind of killed for that. For that comment. Good. Yo, he's he still getting killed for the comment that he made about that boy. I'm going to start my franchise today with 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. Are you out of your damn mind? <laughs> I almost had a connection on the damn show. <laughs> Hey, yeah. Man, that's wild right that there. That was crazy, man. I, I, had to, I had to. Well, I couldn't believe what I was hearing on that. But as for Coach Dante, your boy, Wide Wide Sports Gene, come come check out, come check him out later tonight in his in his debates and on the uh, Birds Deep. Yeah, you got my boy. Uh, you got my brother. Uh, my division brother down here at the bottom to my left, Jay Jones, and you got uh, Mo Better. And we'll see y'all guys later. We are signing off for. The morning show. See you guys later, y'all. Peace. Later, y'all.